0: This episode is brought to you by Get Mobile ID by GetGroup North America, the smart choice for ID implementations. Put citizens in control with Get Mobile ID, fully ISO compliant 18013-5 and surpasses ANVA guidelines. Learn more at getgroupna.com. Welcome to ANVAcast, bringing news, information and expertise to the ANVA community. Here's your host, Ian Grossman. Enjoy the show. Welcome back, everyone. This week on the Amvocast, I am pleased to welcome Gabriel Robinson, who is the director of the Washington, D.C. Department of Motor Vehicles. Gabriel, welcome to your first appearance on the Amvocast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here with you.
0: Uh, There's uh, a a lot going on everywhere and always in in D.C., but you've been working on something specific that I want to ask you about and talk to you about, which is virtual hearing. Um, administrative hearings, adjudication hearings, you know, I guess that might be a good place to start. The DC DMV has some enforcement roles that I don't know that every Department of Motor Vehicles maybe does or doesn't have. So maybe before we talk about the virtual aspect of it, let's set the baseline that when we're talking about the world of hearings for at least DC. What, Absolutely. what does that
1: look like? Absolutely, so as most people understand, the District of Columbia is in a unique situation yeah. that we operate as a state, county, and a city all in one. So many of the agencies, state agencies in a uh, traditional sense, we do municipal functions as well as our state functions. So in the District of Columbia, the DMV, in addition to our traditional services, of driver's licensing and registering vehicles, uh, we also uh, do administrative hearings for all of the tickets in the city. So that would include our moving violations, that would include parking tickets, camera tickets, and then the traditional DMV hearings, such as revocation hearings and reinstatement hearings are also done. So in the District of Columbia, we have a separate division um, that's pretty unique to us. I think there's a few other DMVs out there that has a similar role, but it is a unique function to the DMV where we have an administrative hearing department. So it's not an enforcement uh, unit, but it is an administrative hearing uh, unit that will allow the citizens of the District of Columbia, uh, anyone else who gets a violation in the district, to ask for a hearing uh, of a violation that they may have obtained in the city. And that's all done at the D.C. DMV Adjudication Services um, uh, of the D.C. DMV.
0: And when you look at that unique mix of county, city, state-type responsibilities, is is it evenly spread out in terms of the types of hearings you're doing, or do you find you know, we're doing more parking hearings than anything else, because, you know, those of us that live in that part of the country know a little bit about D.C. and their parking tickets.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I think you're hitting, hitting the head, uh, squarely on the head. So, we know that in the District of Columbia, parking is a commodity. Uh, there's not a lot of space, but a whole bunch of people. And so we're very uh, uh, aggressive, if you would say, on keeping uh, the laws of the roads uh, intact. So that means that there are a number of parking photo uh, and minor move violation tickets that are issued in the District of Columbia. So for a city of our size, uh, we issued nearly 2.7 million parking and our camera tickets uh, a year. And what that means is all of those individuals then get an opportunity, if they so choose, uh, to request for an administrative hearing on those violations if they feel that they were issued an error or there was some other technical uh, concern related to the issuance of the ticket. So, uh, but yes, if you've been in the District of Columbia, I do suggest you slow down, pay attention to the speed limits, (laughs) and make sure you read all of the parking signs quite carefully.
0: Yes, um, we could probably have a whole separate podcast about Ian Grossman's history of mail communications (laughs) with your with your services uh, saying well this is this was my photo of what happened but we won't go there absolutely Uh, I will say it's always been a very positive in terms of timely communication and often uh, you and this might be connected to it you now allow if you want to contest the ticket you can upload your evidence to your website and if that evidence suffices they'll you'll contact back and say hey we received your evidence and you are right we are dismissing this and you don't even have to go to the hearing is that maybe my personal experience is a uh interim step of the hearing process? Well, I mean,
1: it's always been our intention to make the hearing process as convenient as possible Mm -hmm. for anyone who receives a violation in the District of Columbia. So traditionally, most people, when they think of an administrative hearing, they're thinking an in-person hearing. uh, And what we've done is changed the game to say, we still will allow you to do an in-person hearing. But you can also do a hearing by mail, mm-hmm. uh, uh, meaning you would submit your statement, all of your evidence, uh, and everything that you would like to present to a hearing official in defense uh. of the ticket, so you can do it through the mail. But we've gone a step further as we know that the world is becoming more and more digital, that we do allow online request of adjudication of tickets as well. So the same notion, we will allow you to upload your statement, upload your evidence uh, via an online portal, uh, and you can have an administrative hearing uh, using that information and that statement that you provide uh, without appearing at all. So
0: you've redefined the word hearing. I and mean, when people think hearing, they think even if it's virtual, I'm gonna log onto a Zoom and there's gonna be an adjudicator, but you're using the word hearing as an umbrella for this entire adjudication process.
1: Absolutely. So a hearing doesn't necessarily require that an individual be present whenever it's an administrative hearing. Uh, you should be able to outline your defense to whatever the violation is uh, via your statement and evidence that should support that statement. So what we've allowed individuals to do, and it's the by by far the most popular option that mm-hmm. uh, individuals that get tickets in the District of Columbia, would be to request that adjudication through the online portal so I would say more than 60 to 70 percent of all the tickets that we adjudicate and we do about a 272,000 hearings Mm -hmm. a year uh, by far, about 60 to 70 percent of all those hearings are done through a request through our online mm. um, uh, option. What we're trying to do now is that there is a, a group of individ- individuals that feel like they have a better chance, uh, a better, getting a better outcome of a hearing if they either show up in person or if they can have a back and fourth conversation with the adjudicator Mm -hmm. Uh, um, so we right now we're trying to limit the amount of people that's coming into uh, our offices for Mm -hmm. that in-person hearing Mm -hmm. because they feel they'll get a better outcome if they're sitting across from the adjudicator
0: gonna work my charm yes you gotta work (laughs) that charm uh,
1: and so let me go in and try to do it that way and what we're saying is uh, we will still allow you to have that opportunity of a back and forth using your charm perhaps (laughs) uh, with the adjudicator. Um, but via a virtual option as well. Uh, That way, um, uh, you still feel like you had the opportunity to answer a question that the adjudicator may have, uh, or you can expound on something that you feel is very relevant to your case. Um, You can do it that way. But by far, uh, even still to this day, the online request has been the most popular uh, where you don't have to show up at all. You don't have to show face at all, but you do state your case Mm -hmm. uh, through a detailed statement. Uh, And you should present evidence that uh, will support that defense. And that is still by far the most popular uh, option. So I don't foresee that changing, but we do want to change the percentage of individuals that's coming in person Mm -hmm. uh, that are face-to-face, particularly given um, COVID uh, and how the world is changing. Uh, to uh, allow individuals to have that conversation with the adjudicator uh, via a virtual option.
0: So the shift to this virtual process, was it a COVID-inspired shift or or did you start it pre-COVID?
1: We started pre-COVID. So we had this notion and this idea that individuals likely would need this option. However, uh, our very first um, catalyst for starting this was working with our law enforcement uh, in the District of Columbia, mm-hmm. um, starting with moving violation tickets. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever you want to do a hearing on a moving violation ticket, uh, then um, uh, before the introduction of virtual hearings, the officer and the person who received the violation would have to come to the office mm-hmm. in person. There was no other option; right. you had to come pers- in person in person. Uh, for that hearing to take place, and both parties will have to be present both the law enforcement officer and the person who received a violation. Mm-hmm. What was happening is uh, uh, law enforcement uh, felt like, uh, you know, hey, better use of our time sure. uh, would be uh, to have another way mm-hmm. to interact with the adjudicator for these hearings. And so we were wanting to work with the law enforcement officer um, uh, community to say, how do we get you involved in the hearing legally, um, but maybe not present, so the first iteration of this virtual hearing was to have the individual who received a violation come in person uh, with the hearing examiner, and the law enforcement officer would present themselves virtually on the screen. Mm -hmm. So they were not in the office, thus what that did was that saved them time, travel, coming to the DMV's office, and in many cases, sometimes having to wait their turn for the hearing. Mm -hmm. Now they can have the hearing at their precinct uh, without having to do all the travel to the DMV and get back to the business of law enforcement as opposed to waiting. So that was the catalyst was how do we keep law enforcement uh, uh, to give them more control over their time so they can do more law enforcement. Um, But with COVID-19, and the introduction of COVID-19, it became Uh, where we had a need to expand the option uh, beyond uh, just the law enforcement official uh, Mm -hmm. not showing up and presenting themselves virtually, but maybe we can allow the public to Mm -hmm. present themselves virtually as well. And that was necessary um, because we know um, March of 2020, The DMV in the District of Columbia shut down, Mm -hmm. uh, and we didn't open back up uh, until June Mm -hmm. uh, of 2020, Uh, and thus, we were still concerned about people coming to our office, sitting in a room with our adjudicators for very long periods of time, and what can we do to try to offer some relief uh, for the public to still have this opportunity that they legally have, but also... Uh, giving them, um, uh, the adjudicators, the ability to maintain some distance, mm-hmm. uh, which was very important to mm-hmm. us uh, and to uh, our adjudicator. So this this just worked out because the technology started to uh, expand exponentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, our first trial of this was in uh, late 2019, where, y- yes, there was a virtual option that we can use, but it wasn't really as developed uh, as it is today. Right. So with the introduction of COVID-19, if I can say that, uh, it changed the technology game tremendously with the way we use virtual technology. And so we capitalized on all of this new technology and this new experience that we had to say, we can expand this beyond what we're doing and to allow the public to have more options.
0: Did you build it all internally?
1: This is all internally built. Uh, we did work with our vendor uh, that uh, helped us with our hearings to mm-hmm. help develop a system that will work um, with the public because it is a tricky thing to do when you have hundreds of hearings, you know, pouring in and individuals needing to log in, get mm-hmm. in the right room, be before the right adjudicator, and this needs to be in sync because you know if one of the parties do not show up, particularly in a case of a moving violation then uh, you know they can't present their evidence and thus uh, the other side will likely win yeah. the case uh, if one party do not show up so it was some logistical challenges that we needed to work out but we feel like we've come up with a solution that the public uh, is starting to uh, uh, latch on to and mm-hmm. adopt very very much we now know uh, that of all of our um, moving violation uh, tickets Uh, hearings, uh, which was the first type of tickets that we started working with, Uh, one third of all those hearings now are done Mm. virtually. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we know that the public is very interested in this option, particularly for those individuals who thought, let me go to the office. Now I think they're rethinking, well, let me do it virtually uh, instead of going to the office and so uh what we're hoping with the expansion uh of our program because in december of 2021 we expanded the virtual option for parking tickets Mm -hmm. and for camera uh tickets uh to allow for virtual hearings in those categories as well Mm -hmm. um so those numbers are still we're still learning and to Mm -hmm. see what the adoption rate is going to be in those numbers um but we do know that there's tremendous interest uh in this uh particularly uh, on the camera ticket side Mm -hmm. so that people can explain uh, their side of the story. So we're excited.
0: Um, So with, I think you're right. I think, you know, the public obviously is just yearning for anything that's contactless and doing online. Um, What about the fact that D.C. being so transitory and with many of the automated enforcement is likely to be out of state, out of D.C. residents and drivers? Who maybe in the past, when they received that ticket in the mail, going back in person in an option wasn't practical, so just paid the fine, mm-hmm. and now have the opportunity to go through the hearing. Any anticipation that maybe you'll have more, a, a higher volume of folks contesting or doing the hearing, simply out of the fact that now they can, whereas in the past, you know, I, well, I was just driving through D.C. and I got this ticket and I don't have time to get back there?
1: Well, there's two things I would say. I would say the adjudication process is truly intended for individuals who feel that a ticket was issued in error. If your ticket wasn't issued in error, then you should not go through the adjudication process because you're not likely to succeed. (laughs) So we're we're hoping that individuals don't have a hearing for the sake of having having a hearing. We're saying have a hearing because you truly feel that the ticket you received was an error. Mm-hmm. So if you were speeding through the District of Columbia yep. and, and you got ticket. paid a ticket, <laughs> I mean, you're not going to likely succeed through right. a hearing process. However, for those individuals that do feel that that ticket was issued in error, we're saying, yes, you're entitled to a hearing, and yes, you should apply for one if you so choose. Now, I won't necessarily say... Uh, it's my expectation that our hearing volume will exponentially increase mm-hmm. because individuals from out of state always have had a hearing option mm-hmm. through the online mechanism and or the mail, mail. mechanism. Yep. So you can still uh, mount a case against a ticket um, through a detailed written statement and any evidence, photos, copies of uh, documentation that you think we need to see uh, that would support your defense. All of that is taken into uh, account. Uh, And so uh, all individuals have had a a very convenient way of hearing, Mm -hmm. uh, getting a hearing. However, we do know that there is a group of individuals out there that want to be heard in a back and forth conversation. And so we may get an uptick in that category where individuals go, well, I don't want to just write a statement and produce evidence. I want to do all those things, plus have a conversation with the hearing examiner in a back-and-forth conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, So there may be an uptick. I don't think it would be exponentially, only because in order to have a virtual hearing, you still must allot time out of your day. Mm -hmm. You must still be prepared uh, at a certain time. So uh, individuals who don't have time in their day uh, you still may have an issue with the virtual hearing and thus may continue to use the online or mail Uh, requests.
0: Now, as their behavior shifts, how about the shifting of behavior on your staff and your team, those adjudicators who have been used to doing things a certain way and now they are engaging differently? Is that something that was embraced, took training, change management? How did that go inside the agency?
1: Absolutely. I'm very proud of the team that we have at Adjudication Services. The leadership there uh, have been very much on board with trying to make this happen. Um, And the team that they lead have been very much um, uh, uh, happy to adopt this Mm -hmm. new option. And I would say COVID-19 kind of helped put the extra edge on moving us forward, only because there was a need to separate the public from the employees. So the employees, by the sheer nature of needing to maintain that distance, this is long before we had vaccines and all of those things, that they were very concerned about individuals coming to their hearing room and staying for a period of time. So the adoption rate by uh, our team was very much uh, uh, easy. But it did take some training because, uh, you know, we needed to uh, help our adjudicators with uh, our software package that we was using to, to perform the hearings, being able to manage a multi-room experience uh, where you have an officer in one room, you have a, a respondent is what we call them in another room. Uh, and uh, indeed, uh, we needed to train them on how to handle all of these different Uh, moving parts for a virtual uh, hearing. But I can tell you uh, all of the team uh, members have been very excited about this um, and uh, have been eager to work with uh, the public to make sure they even uh, ease into the process as well.
0: Uh, And what about law enforcement? How have they reacted to this change?
1: They're very excited. Uh, They're very excited about this because they no longer have to come to the DMV uh, out of their day. They can do it uh, the hearing right from the precinct. So uh, it has been such a dramatic shift. Uh, We're looking to change the officer's lounge. We used to have a special lounge for them to sit as they waited their turn for the hearing.
0: Now it's sitting empty. It's empty. (laughs)
1: They no longer use that room at all. So we're looking for new ways to how to use this space that we have because officers no longer come to the DMV. So they really have taken back uh, a more, uh, uh, I guess, charge of their day and time. Uh, they know what time they need to be available for their hearing, and they can just hop on a Zoom call from the precinct, Yep. handle their business, hop off and get right back to the business of law enforcement. So they're eager about it. Uh, they're excited about it. And I don't think I can take this option away from them if I try.
0: <laughs> no going back.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: Now, on law enforcement, at it- is that also as it relates to the unique nature of DC? Obviously, there's a big proportion where you're talking about the DC Metro Police. Is there, do you have to deal with the other law enforcement agencies? You know, DC, you've got dozens of different authorities that are mixing and playing and interacting.
1: Absolutely. We have over uh 27, 28 uh, law enforcement divisions in the District of Columbia from our District of Columbia Metropolitan Police Department. We have the Park Service um, police. We have Capitol police. Uh, and it goes on and on and on uh, where we have individuals that can pull a person over, mm-hmm. issue a ticket. Uh, and yes, so we're working with all of those uh, um, Uh, law enforcement entities to integrate them into the process. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our By far and large, Metropolitan Police Department, the District of Columbia Police Department is by far the largest player uh, in this. They issue the most tickets uh, because they interact more with the public. Uh, So by far, they're our largest law enforcement client. The other uh, divisions are indeed getting on board. uh, So we may still have to do an in-person hearing from time to time with uh, one of those agencies that are not quite on board, Mm -hmm. but they issue a lot less tickets to the public. So our big picture was to get D.C. Metropolitan Police Department on board. They're in 100 percent. All precincts are using the system now. Uh, And then we're working with all of those other law enforcement entities that we have to work with in the District of Columbia.
0: So when you originally rolled it out as for a certain types of citations, you've now expanded it, the big expansion, to photo enforcement. What is there another expansion that you would expect to come in the future?
1: So we have expanded now to all ticket categories that we now adjudicate at the District of Columbia. So we started out with moving violations mm-hmm. first. Uh, and That's because, again, the law enforcement officer and the public both had to be per- in person right. for the hearing. So to give law enforcement back control of their time, That was the first stage one. The second stage uh, was when we came back from COVID. Uh, 19 was to expand it to the DMV style hearings, uh, meaning the revocation uh, hearings and the reinstatement hearings. Um, So we expanded to say, hey, those are in-person hearings. You need to come before us and talk to us about how do you get your license back or not. Uh, We expanded that option to those individuals. What we just did, December uh, of 2021, was to complete the expansion with the inclusion of parking tickets and photo enforcement tickets inside of this umbrella of a virtual option. So now, with the inclusion of those two additional categories in December of 2021,
0: all the citations, and, citations
1: and other hearings that could be heard by the DMV officials are now all options for a virtual yeah.
0: And do you see ways now to take that, the fundamental technology of being able to interact virtually, uploading documents whether that is a real-time back and forth or I'm gonna upload it and then you're gonna get back to me and I'm gonna get back to you, do you see that transitioning or, or leveraging that really in other parts of the business, not necessarily just in adjudication, but say, okay, now we're, we're accepting documents, we're accepting evidence to make a decision Is there other business transactions that you think that that technology might apply to in the future?
1: It may be. Uh, We've not gotten to that point yet uh, to say what's next. Uh, Our initial goal was to get all of the hearing options there. And since we just satisfied that requirement in December uh, of 2021, uh, we have not looked over the horizon yet to see. What's well, next. What do you um, there may be uh, options available uh, to us where we have other transactions where we need to interact with the individual um, mm-hmm. to make a DMV decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know we do a, a number of uh, a medical uh, mm. uh, questioning mm-hmm, of mm-hmm, individuals mm-hmm. Uh, who we may have concerns Yep. About that. We may want to have a conversation yeah. with so a, like a
0: different type of hearing, a it's different kind of hearing. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, where we're having to interact with the public uh, to make a decision. Yeah. Uh, so I do believe that there may be other ways that we can expand it. Um, but I just have not um, uh, gotten to that point yet, because getting photo enforcement, Wait, you just did this. and parking <laughs> into the system about two and a half yeah. months ago. Yeah. We're now still trying to just make sure we learn everything we can learn Absolutely. from that process uh, because those are the lion's share of the tickets. So uh, we do know of the 272,000 hearings that we do a year, You know, uh, the mass majority of those tickets are parking yeah. and uh Photo enforcement, photo speed, photo that's yeah, right, red light, red light yeah. stop sign, all of those are now in yeah. play for a virtual space. So we have a lot that we can learn from the introduction of these two options. And then once we gather all those pieces, then we'll determine what's next.
0: Well, I'll say, as I alluded to earlier, I used it. <laughs> it was effective, favorable to my decision. Uh, but it was, it was one of those cases like you mentioned where... Uh, the, it was it was parking signage. We know all about parking sure, signage sure. In D.C. So, you know, another another discussion for another day. Well, Gabriel, thank you for, for joining us today, telling us a little bit about the project. Um, I hope I don't have to use it again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> drive safely, Ian, yeah, drive safely. You'll be okay. It was parking, it wasn't, it wasn't driving, it was, it was parking.
0: Uh, Absolutely. Appreciate you joining us and chatting about it. And congratulations on it. It's, it's, thank uh, you. It's exciting, not only from a technology perspective, but just that, you know, Adding on to the uh, convenience and efficiency and effectiveness of interacting with your customers, which is what what it's all about.
1: Thank you so much. I'm very proud of the team uh, who uh, helped get us to this point. Uh, Really, uh, without the team, um, we just could not get any of this um, done. So I'm very proud of them, uh, and and I'm very appreciative of this opportunity to speak about it. Thank
0: you. Wonderful. Thank you all for listening this week. Thanks to our producers, Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin. Till next week, everyone, stay well. Thank you for joining us for Amvacast, hosted by Ian Grossman, produced by Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin, music by Gibson Arthur. This episode is brought to you by Get Mobile ID by Get Group North America. Visit us at amvacast.podbean.com and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify.